0: Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And as you know, what I love to do is find people who are going to help you see, feel, and think in new ways, because that's how you open your mind and begin to see opportunities. We often say the future is all around us. It's just not widely distributed yet. But what's happening that you could see so that you can understand, ah, if they're doing it, maybe I can as well. Because some ways, the story that you're going to hear today is going to help you rethink what you're doing and begin to open that door so that you can get off the brink and soar again. I have with me today Dylan Rexing. I'm honored to share him with you. I met him out in Indianapolis at a Vistage Group, and I think what they're doing is transformational to an industry that's sluggish. I'm gonna let him tell you more about it, but let me tell you about his bio. Dylan Rexing is president and CEO of Rexing Companies, an Evansville-based network of family-owned and operated companies. So if you have a family firm or are thinking of building one, this is really good insights to share. Dylan is a fifth generation in his family's farm operations, where he grew up learning the value of hard work and financial responsibility. But under his leadership, the logistics division. FPFL Logistics has earned a recognition as an Inc. 5,000 5, fastest growing private companies for the past four years. I'm going to let him tell you his story, but I think you're going to enjoy his journey because it'll change your own story about what's possible if only you can open your mind to see and then do some observation to innovation. Dylan, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have
1: you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good seeing you again.
0: It's good to see you again, Dylan. Said he was away and read my book, and I went, "Oh, isn't that good reading on the beach?" And I appreciate it, um, Dylan. Please let's hear your story, your journey. As you were sharing it with me, is really a perfect setup for today's talk.
1: Yes, yeah, so you know, we, as you had mentioned, uh, Generation Five in our family business. Um, when I took over the the family operation, we were really just uh, an agricultural based. Company we farm about three thousand acres. We had one hundred twenty thousand chickens, and I took over and and out of out of college. I have a bachelor's in um, in accounting, and uh, I determined that I didn't want everything that we did to be out of our control. Right. So as a as a farming operation, we we're not in control of the weather. So when we plant our crops, is not determined by us. The yields that we that we get are are also determined by Mother Nature, and so. Uh, and then when we take it to market, it's it's really what what the market bears. And so, I sort of t- took our organization. We still farm; it's still part of our our legacy. Farmers are a backbone of the American economy. Um, so I don't want to necessarily downplay that by any means. Um, still, still important important part of our business. Um, but I, I sort of took our business and, and, and made a, a full three hundred and sixty. Uh, we have about 90 employees today in the supply chain space, and so um, we have three companies: um, a cold storage warehouse, uh, trucks, and uh, a trucking company where we have trucks and drivers, and then a, a freight, a freight three uh, PL company um, where we we sort of work with our customers and partner with our customers to move freight all over the country. Um, and so, it, you know, for me, uh, I, as, as you mentioned, I, I was in, uh, on vacation last week and I uh, met you in Indy and uh, you were happy, uh, nice enough to give me a copy of your book. And I read it and, and talked about how, you know, you sort of put on a different lens and, and look at kind of the world in a different, different way. It, it, it resonated with me. If you get an email from me, the very bottom underneath my signature, it says, the most dangerous phrase in the English language is we've always done it. Now,
0: this way. <laughs> and Billy, so you wow. have no idea how many clients hire me to help them change. And the first thing they say is, no, we don't do it that way. And I say, well, "Then you don't need me if that's the way you're going to do it. The habits will drive you. Uh, but the times are changing and maybe those habits are no longer viable or valuable or reliable for you. But you know, you have a curious mind. And as you and I were talking, that curiosity factor is not to be underestimated. How did you begin to figure out the logistics part? Or, you know, you could have have abandoned where you were, but you didn't. You could have sold it, which you haven't. But now you've taken a bigger picture and have begun to develop a new set of uh, solutions for the whole supply chain of, and I have a hunch there are some interesting new things coming as well. How did you begin? Where did it
1: start? Well, you know, believe it or not, you know, you might, you might wonder um, how does agriculture and supply chain tie? And, and the fact of the matter is it's very common for, um, for farmers to own supply chain driven businesses. For example, uh, you know, farmers have to have semis and trailers to take product out of the fields and, and take them to market, right? Well, they only do that for, uh, you know, several weeks or a month or so, two months a year. So you buy this equipment and it just sort of collects dust per se. So kind of the way it started was we had all this equipment laying around that we were trying to figure out like, you know, what do we do with it? Um, and then the, the the cold storage business is kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the diamond in the middle that sort of connects it all. Um, our cold storage business, we have customers, you know, big and small from, from, uh, large poultry companies to bakeries to uh, you know any anything in the middle and so those those all tie in because you know the stuff that we store in our warehouse right our, our cold storage food product that we store it has to it has to get to market right it has to get to the grocery store or it has to get to a plant to be further processed and so uh, you know it was all sort of tied together through a supply chain lens
0: now, your clients come to you for any particular reason. Have you differentiated your cold storage in some fashion? Is it fully integrated? Do you make it simple and easy for them. You know, what are the kind of core attributes of it?
1: So, what we like to tell folks is we're a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. So you can call us and we can store your products. You can call us and we can haul your products. We don't necessarily have to, but we just try and make it easy and convenient for our customers. The cold storage business is is uh, is pretty niche. Um there aren't a ton of companies in the u s that are in the cold storage warehouse space mm-hmm. uh, and and by cold storage warehouse for your listeners that maybe don't understand that it's it's basically a, a a building where we we store products that are frozen refrigerated fresh um so that they're they're nice and 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 healthy for for folks in the supply chain that just a high level of kind of how that works um What was your question i'm sorry, I lost that.
0: Okay, but you bring them into the cold storage. You said that there aren't many cold storage businesses. And my mom always curious whether you're doing it like everyone else. And you know, you and I were together when we talked about being another, like a red ocean, or someone who is creating a market because and I hear you, because you make it simpler and easier for your clients to get what they need done without having to work as hard, making it simple instead of complex, and beginning to see ways to add value innovatively. So that maybe it's not a blue ocean, but it has all the attributes of a good market creator, not simply we are another. Am I saying that correctly for yeah, you? So,
1: I mean, I would say, you know, I, I lost my train of thought there and I've gotten it back now. There's only there's two large players in the cold storage business that own over 60 percent of the market. And so one of the ways we differentiate ourselves is we answer the phone when the customer calls. Right. No offense to large companies, but when they get big, there's several layers of. <laughs> Of uh, folks in the middle, and so one of the ways we differentiate ourselves is we 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 personalize our approach to the customer. If they need something, we do everything in our power to say yes, um, even maybe when it's not easy. Um, and so I think ultimately, you know, the the farming background that I have is sort of driven uh, the fact that it, it it sounds a little cheesy, but the customers first, right? Um, and and we do everything that we can um, to service that customer. And, and interesting enough, most of our customer base do, does business with all three of our companies. So um, oh, we try and we try and um, kind of anchor them in from one or the other, and then convert them from being just a single customer to to three of our operating entities. But I mean, our, our secret sauce really is just doing what we say we're going to do. Um, answering phones, answering emails, and just providing a good service.
0: How interesting! Simple, and yet very profound, and very much appreciated and needed by your community, by your markets. Um, are you located just in Indiana, or are you across the country, or where are you located?
1: So, our warehouses we have uh, we have four locations in in Indiana, all in southwest or southeastern Indiana. Um, our trucking division. We have a location in um, Owensboro, Kentucky, about I don't know forty five minutes from us here, um, and we also have an operation in the Carolinas, where we have several employees out there in uh, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, a little little city called Troy. Most don't uh-huh. know where Troy is, but most people know where Charlotte is. Um, <laughs> so we we aren't you know all over the country, but are we have trucks that travel um, in all contiguous forty eight states. Um, but our headquarters is mainly here in, in southwestern Indiana.
0: It it sounded when you and I were talking, though, that so many companies today have people problems. But I have a hunch you don't. And I have a hunch there's some core values that are working well for you. Can you share with our listeners about how do you attract, retain? Is it is it the metaphor of family? What do you find works particularly well? Because I do think that's a much needed wisdom to share with folks who aren't quite sure how to do that anymore.
1: You know, I would say that we're not perfect. And I don't think really anyone is. Um, We've grown over the years. I mean, if you look back in the history books of our business, in 2010, we had zero employees. um, And 13 years later, we have 90. Um, And so we've obviously had some struggles along the way. We're still learning. I tell folks when we onboard, um, we've hired so many people uh, as of late that I don't know their faces. I don't know their names. I don't know what their hobbies are or what makes them tick. And so we started having a, a, a Friday, a, a monthly breakfast where we bring in bagels and sit down and just talk about who they are and 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 why they're here and what their goals are and and those kinds of things. And I just found it important to sort of to personalize each person so that I I know I, I just it's kind of embarrassing when someone works for us and I don't know who they are. And so I I made it a purpose. To sit down with them and and just you know take an hour out of out of the month and just get to know them. Um, but when I end those meetings, I tell folks all the time that you know we're not perfect. I, my door's open. Come see me if if we do something that we shouldn't have done or we said it in a way that we shouldn't have. Come talk to us because we don't know um, if if you don't tell us. And so I would say that uh, culture is is very important in a business um i didn't even know what the word culture meant mm-hmm. probably four or five years ago i didn't really understand it i i thought you just went to work and you busted your busted your butt until you got the job done and i did I, again i didn't really understand it And we hired a couple of people that really brought culture to our organization uh, and so i i would say you know as far as attracting and retaining talent we're we're better than the average company we still have we still have room to go. One of the things Vistage will teach you, and I've only been in Vistage a little over almost two years, is if you're not willing to always learn and get better, uh, you're you're just going to get passed by. Um, and so I I always when when people say, well, how do you how are you doing in you know in the employee area? I always tell folks, I think we do a fabulous job, but you know there's always that that room to go a step higher.
0: And now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us, and we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways, whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey. Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls, and become the best that they could be. They heard things like, women aren't lawyers, and women can't lead, and women aren't in geosciences, and they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there, or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books and you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. Particularly since the folks you're hiring are all coming from the coming of age at a different time. They've had different experiences, you know, and the Google search for culture and culture change is going up like this for a couple of years now. Something we specialize in because people don't know, as you're saying, what is it? And if you have a toxic one, you don't even know why. And if you have a good one, you can't figure out how to keep it going. And it's the thing that makes humans so special. We have meaning. You know, and as you're talking, you are it's important to get your folks to understand that they matter in the larger scheme of your business, that they aren't just a cog in the wheel, that their feelings matter and and they're changing and and you want them to help build a better business. It's it's interesting because I have a hunch your clients look upon them as assets, as real value providers, not just tactical and practical people. I mean, is there kind of a blend of your culture into your clients?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say, you know, we have customer, we have employees on site at at Mm -hmm. customers facilities. We have some that work on their site. Not only are they there occasionally to do a pickup or a drop, but we have sites where our employees sit in a desk next to our customer, which is a a little odd at times. And so we have to sort of manage that our culture and their culture kind of mix and and make sure that our employees are in in a good space. But, you know, I would say it's it's important to have employees that want to work for you. Yes, and that you treat your employees well. One of the things, a, a small little trick that I've I've taken from my time in Vistage and some books I've read is uh, we I I write an anniversary card for every one of our employees every time they hit an anniversary date. I just write a little thank you that says I really appreciate your contributions to our team and look forward to working with you in the future. It's it's real short and sweet, but I think we've sort of lost touch as a as a country or a or a globe that you know everything is is social media driven and everything's on our phone. And so uh, our folks appreciate me taking the time to just literally get out a get out a pen yeah. and write down a, a, a nice little note. And we also do that for customers. Yeah. So we'll send we'll send handwritten notes to customers, thanking them for their time listening to us about X, Y, or Z. And I just, it's it's uh maybe it's the curious mind in me, but I just sometimes those little things are what matter.
0: Oh, I want to say sometimes I think it is. I I was on a plane coming back from Houston. I think it was Houston or, or Lexington. Um, unfortunately, I'm on a plane every week. Um, and this flight attendant wrote me a personal note thanking me for being executive platinum on American Airlines and how much she appreciated my loyalty and service. You know, often I get things from American to thank the flight attendant. Uh, but this is the second time I've gotten a handwritten note and I took a picture of it. And I I just think it's a touch that makes it seem like you're not just a, a cog in this thing, that, that maybe it matters, and it mattered to this particular flight attendant. And she was very gracious about it. She said, I just want you to know how important this is. And I went, well, I don't know who trained you, but you you got a heart that's bigger than, and it's and and sometimes the flights are good, and they work, and sometimes they don't. And after a while, you just take whatever you get, right? Yeah. Weather. Um, but it was a very touching, so yours has a ripple effect. I have a hunch your folks then say thank you to their folks and their clients say isn't this a nice thing and all of a sudden the community has a uh, an appreciation for each other bigger than the task at hand am I right
1: yeah I mean ultimately I think what we what we try to do is and it's changed over time but we want to make the we want to make our community and our world a better place than when than when we took it over right and so the little things about saying thank you and, and writing little, you know, writing little notes to your employees and, and customers. And, you know, I hope that puts a smile on our people's face and, and yeah. I hope when we send it to to, to to vendors and customers that it, it makes them feel better. And it's just, again, it's just uh, trying to make the place we live in a little better. Ultimately, you know, I don't know the exact statistic, but we spend more time with our Our colleagues at work than we spend at home with our family. And so if you don't, if you don't love or enjoy where you work, you know, you need to, you need to make a change, right?
0: (laughs) Well, you can tell the folks how to reach you if they're curious and how to join you. I am curious though, when we were talking about the future and the things that you're already seeing as ways to improve even a very good model that you've got. And I do think that the Times are changing fast, and sometimes there's a little idea that comes and adds great value. Can you share something about the work that you're doing now?
1: So we've got a new program with one of our companies, uh, PFL Logistics, that we've sort of, um, we're working on bringing to light. It started in July. Um, I think our industry, let me take a step back. The biggest fear I have as a business owner is that I'm the taxi cab. <laughs> that gets replaced by Uber.
0: <laughs> or, <a> great metaphor. <laughs>
1: or I'm Blockbuster that gets replaced by Netflix. Like that's my biggest fear is that we've started and we put all this tremendous effort and thought into our industry or in into our several businesses. And that's just my biggest fear that someone comes in and just you know replaces us like that. And so I'm always. Trying to think of different ways to differentiate ourselves, and so we've got a new program in our logistics business that's that's really unique. It's probably the only one in the country, um, and we we ultimately give our customers more control and transparency over their supply chain and where their product is and how much it costs and and those kinds of things. So we it's it's kind of cheesy to say, but we've become a partner mm-hmm. of of our customer, not really just a vendor. We've become a partner. So we're, we're integrated into their system. And like I said, we have employees that sit next to their employees in their building. Um, and so we've just, we've become a, an important piece of, of their business. Um, and I just, the reason it came up is again, I just was extremely concerned that we were going to be the taxi cab. And I, I just, I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> but your metaphor, your your the aha is that it's happened and it's happened again to Airbnb and it's happened and 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 Blockbuster could have bought Netflix and didn't think that was anything. And and um and so that's not you remember there was a Sears catalog before an Amazon ever existed, and no more Sears and lots of Amazon, and you wonder who's gonna tackle that one. But but to your point, unless you try and you don't really know what's of value to your partners. You know, I love the idea they're collaborators with you. Together, you both rise, you know, and without those customers partnering, um, you can't grow either. I mean, you can't have empty, you know, cold storage. It doesn't do much good. Um, And we can't because you're delivering the food to us in a way that's fast and easy and, and really affordable. More often than not, we hope um, yeah. <laughs> it's getting to be challenging. You know, I'm enjoying our conversation, um, but you know the the, um, the thing that I really do think that there are some lessons that you've learned that you want our listeners to hear. One, two, three of them that really you know impacted you because you are different than when you started to do this transformation. And things are working, I have a hunch better than you might have anticipated, but we can't necessarily know the future. We just can plan for it. And some lessons you've learned that you want to share.
1: You know, you know, I, I'm going to hit the same topic again, but I think it's extremely important. I think, you know, for someone that's trying to start a business or maybe they've already started one and, and they're kind of in growth phase or, or anything in between, I think um, you need to walk in every day. And think about how you're going to replace yourself. Because uh-huh. if you don't walk in your office every day, or your building, or wherever you work every day, and think about how am I going to get replaced, someone's going to replace you. Maybe it's not tomorrow. Maybe it's five years from now. But ultimately, you know that's that's the world that we live in. It's it's moving much faster today than it ever has. Um, so I think that's one important piece that I like to share. Um, the other piece I like to share is is listen, mm-hmm. right? Is, is listen to, to all the stakeholders in, in your area, right? So listen to your employees, listen to your vendors, uh, listen to your customers. You know, you learn more from that than than you're going to learn anywhere else. There's a, there's a uh, my neighbor uh, ran a, a billion dollar manufacturing plant down the street from us. And he said, Dylan, what I would do is I have this scheduled time every Wednesday, I think it was, where I'd walk the plant floor. It was a manufacturing business, a big one in our area. And he, every every week, he made a point for a couple hours to walk around and just walk the plant floor and talk to his people. A lot of folks in today's world, especially in my age group, I like to pick on my age group. Um, I'm a little younger and, and, and we do some things better, but we also struggle in some areas and people in my age group want to manage behind a desk. Or behind a spreadsheet or uh, something of that nature, and I think it's just important to to kind of get out there and, and get in front of of the stakeholders of stakeholders of your business.
0: Um, well, you remember, as an anthropologist, I can tell you that you really don't know what you don't know, and and you can ask people, and they'll tell you a story about what they think it is you want to hear. But that gentleman who went out to look and see is how we actually learn. And unless you're in the trucks or in the cold storage or out with your own customers, you're imagining what it is they're struggling with and where you could add value innovatively. Um, but that that my husband was a serial entrepreneur in his last business, he spent a whole lot of time just listening, trying to hear what people were challenged by and not assuming we knew um, because we really don't know. We think we know, but we are imagining what it is that they're, and, and so that point is a really powerful one. You know, this has been fun. Um, do you have your folks also coming back with things they've heard from customers that feed into an innovation you know, culture in some fashion? My, my, my last question, and then we'll do a wrap-up, because I do think those, they they hear more than we will ever hear.
1: You know, so when we were in Vistage and Indy together, you'd spoke about going to your customer service team to sort of listen. Uh, yeah. Our business isn't necessarily set up that way. And so it's still in the back of my brain as to how to, how to get um, ideas from not just myself talking to folks, but to get uh, ideas from other folks in our organization. So stay tuned on that. Um, <laughs> it's one piece that I sort of wrote down as a as a takeaway and an important one for sure. Um, I think you know what Vistage says is it's a day to work on your business, yes. not in your business. That's kind of their their metaphor. I, I think real quick, my last piece of advice would be: sometimes we get really busy in the day to day of of whatever fire is out there. Take a take a step back and sort of look at your business from a high level, and and I think you'll be very happy that you did so.
0: Well, and, and I love the idea of take a Wednesday and be an observer and give it enough frequency so that you can really begin to see. And, and, and offline, you and I can talk about some ideas about how to get your talent out there to begin to feed, you know, things back in, because there's always gaps or pain points that they hear. My favorite story is someone who said to a Vistage member, you know, what if, could you, have you? And he said, we ignored all those. That wasn't what we sold him. And that's where all the opportunities were. So he created the what if sales process. You know, don't sell what we sell. Listen to what they need. And I went, oh, that's not hard. <laughs> and he said, but I didn't hear a word that customer was saying. And that's where all my opportunities were. So it's pretty cool stuff. Where can they reach you if they'd like to get a hold of you?
1: Um. You're happy to give me a call at my office. Um, you want me to give the office number? No, they can okay.
0: find it online. I'm sure there's a good
1: okay. website. Yep, we've got a website. You can you can visit us at rexingcompanies.com. My my office number's on there. My email address is on there. I'm happy to happy to talk to anybody at any time and see if there's a way I can improve your business. Good.
0: I I am reluctant to share on um, the recordings um, because they become pretty. They're there for a long time, and sometimes we don't want them there for a long time. Sure. So, but I thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure today. So this is fun. I I, I have to tell Steve McFarlane this was just a treat, and he should send me some more of his folks. They're really remarkable people. It was wonderful. For those of you who don't know about Vistage, I'll put a plug in. I think I've done five hundred and three or four Vistage talks. Um, Mostly on change matters, how to find new markets, blue ocean strategy style, or culture change or innovation. Uh, But Vistage is an organization of CEOs and key leaders from companies across the world now, and it brings them together uh, for them to listen and grow and learn. My book on the brink, six of the eight uh, stories in there, were of Vistage members, and it's a great way to understand how Vistage folks begin to open their minds to possibilities, And it gives us great opportunities to help them see things through a fresh lens, which is my job. For those of you who came, as always, thank you for joining us. It's so much fun to do podcasting. It's a way of sharing people and ideas. And you don't need to listen to me alone. Um, This was a marvelous time to share. And I'm just glad we're growing together. I feel like a partner. Um, Our new book, Women Mean Business, is behind me here. And for those of you who may have bought it, I'm getting great reviews on Amazon. If you haven't bought it yet, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and local booksellers have it. And we're on the book tour. If you want to hear us speak about how women mean business, I'd be delighted to share with you. There are 102 women in there, all leaders in their field who shared their five wisdoms. And wisdom helps others do better together. And that's what we're all about. So it's been fun. Thank you for coming to On The Brink. My job is to help you get off the brink and soar. Thank you, Dylan. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. Bye-bye now.